Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Hey, if you're a fellow podcaster, let me tell you about Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. That's right. They're providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And let them know the nerds sent you by adding our podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Once again, that's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Welcome, nerd. Are you ready to launch 152nd expedition into nerdum? Preparing for launch, queuing bitchin' rockabilly track, priming engines, now processing name change for baby Yoda, process failed, unencrypting files for comics, TV, movies, wrestling, launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is The Amazing Nerd Show. So, Christian, I just had myself a little marathon. I went ahead and watched all the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Oh, how'd that happen? Well, you know what? With all the crazy Spider-Man 3 rumors, like, claiming we're going to get a Spider-Verse story that included, like, past characters from all the, like, non-MCU Spider-Man series, plus, like, to top it off with Sam Raimi, like, directing Doctor Strange... I don't know, I just guess I felt kind of, like, nostalgic and wanted to, like, revisit, like, Raimi's trilogy. So, like, I sat down and I watched them for the first time in, like, years. (laughs) And while I'm happy to report the first two films definitely hold up, sadly, the third film is still the drizzling shits. (laughs) I mean, you could just tell Raimi was just not into it at all. Like, Venom is just totally shoehorned in. So much so that they didn't even bother giving a backstory to where the hell the symbiote, like, came from. It just kind of, like, drops from the sky. And, like, while, like, you know, Peter's emo turn makes for some, like, awesome memes, it's just so fucking cringeworthy, it's laughable. (laughs) (laughs) But it really, like, got me thinking, like, is this the most disappointing film I've ever seen? Like, (laughs) if you, like, equate, like, the hype behind it. Like, this is mm-hmm. coming off of Spider-Man 2, for crying out loud, which is, like, I don't know, I still consider one of the best, like, comic book, like, films of all time. Like, I've seen some, like, steaming piles of dog shit in my day, but there aren't many that have, like, this much hype behind it, like, as, like, the original Spider-Man 3. So I No, exactly. What I'm going to say here, Christian, because uh-huh. this week, we're kind of light on news and shit. <laughs> Let's do an impromptu countdown. Our most disappointing films of all time. Impromptu countdown alert. Impromptu countdown alert. The most disappointing films of all time. Well, all right, Damon, how is this even going to work? All right, so I'm going to say that we don't have to do this in any kind of particular order. Not like, you know, suckiest to like least suckiest, you know, just off the top of your head. Let's do five. You know, for for the sake of time, five of your most disappointing films of all time. 
And the equation will be a film that had like the most hype or like anticipation behind it that like just didn't deliver at all and like really shit the bed in the long run. Like epically shit the bed. <laughs> okay, David, okay. So I went first already. Spider-Man 3 definitely has to be on my list. Okay, well, if I had to throw one in the hat, um, there was no one that was a bigger and like more proud Batman fan at the time after Dark Knight came out and everything. I was like, oh my God, I love Nolan. I love everything. And then Dark Knight Rises came out. Ooh. And like, <laughs> uh, you know, people were making fun of it beforehand, like with the trailer voice and stuff like that. But I thought there's no way Nolan's going to fuck up this third film. And oh, are you talking about with Bane? Yes, with Bane and everything. How you couldn't understand him at all? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know if you remember back then, but there was all these rumors like, oh, they're re-recording his voice like a million times and stuff like that, trying to find the right pitch. It didn't matter. They never found it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that movie just really bogs down the entire trilogy. It's it's still, I think, watchable to a point, but it's like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck is going on in that movie by the third act, and it's just so all over the place well christian i don't care what anyone says batman doesn't fucking retire so i agree with you 100 percent. exactly <laughs> and like how shitty he fucking treats elford he doesn't even bother uh -huh. telling him he's still alive <laughs> he leaves that poor old man mourning him that's insane what a douchebag that's bag. what he wanted that was the whole point it was, it was whatever whatever <laughs> Ridiculous. All right. Well, I'm actually going to go along that train of thought, and I'm going to throw down an even worse movie, and I dare you to argue it. I'm throwing in Batman and Robin, which I actually saw in the theater. I mean, I'll admit, like, I actually liked Batman Forever, but this film was a goddamn dumpster fire, and, like, it set back the comic book genre film-wise at least five years. I mean, from bat skates to bat nipples, there's nothing redeemable about this film. Uh, didn't, like, Clooney say he would give back money to anyone who complains to him about he it? He did. He did. <laughs> and well-deserved. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you're up. Um, another one that really disappointed me, which I shouldn't have been too surprised, but it was Fantastic Four. Um, and not the original, because at, at that time, I was still a kid and still really loved that uh, movie when it came out. So okay. I'm talking about the uh, the remake with uh, Michael B. Jordan and everything. Like, I oh. came in thinking, like, okay, they're, they're really going to reinvent the wheel, really bring it out, make it a darker Fantastic Four film. And, you know, for a good, like, third of that movie, I was actually kind of, you know, convinced that that's what they were doing. And then it just showed that they had no idea what the fuck they were doing at that point. You know, I, I do know, um, I know that Josh Trank was like coming off the success of Chronicle at the time. So a lot of us were definitely thinking, you know, this is going to be a great uh, dark hero type of storyline, especially for the Fantastic Four of all people. Their use of uh, Doctor Doom in this was so atrocious, like just how horrible he looked and his abilities were being like, he was pretty much a god walking on that screen that could do anything and just destroy and put things back together. In any way, it, it made no sense to mm -hmm. the character or like how great Doctor Doom is as a character in general. I don't know why, Like, I hope the next Fantastic Four film that comes out at least 
does something good with Doctor Doom at, at a later point. Build up to him. Make him the big bad. I, I want him to be one of the big bads of the fucking MCU all, overall. Yeah, well, that's the big hope with, like, Kevin Foggy finally getting, you know, the Fantastic Four, like, you know, under the umbrella of the MCU that we'll see, you know, Doctor Doom finally done right, you know, and make him, like, you know, the big bad of the MCU, you know, mm. the next Thanos, if you will. Uh, but yeah, no, I guess Josh Trake actually lost a Star Wars film over, you know, the horror show of the Fantastic Four. Um, oh you know, they said that, you know, he he bowed out because of personal reasons. But, you know, a lot of insiders are saying that he actually got canned by Lucasfilms. Yeah, no one no one leaves Star Wars for personal reasons. <laughs> well, speaking of Kevin Foggy, my next choice is actually going to be a little controversial. Uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Oh, okay. The first Avengers film was fantastic. Um, and Age of Ultron has some good moments here and there. That opening battle scene is pretty fucking fantastic. Like, seeing all the Avengers working together as this, like, well-oiled, like, ass-kicking machine was fun. But the rest of the film is pretty underwhelming. And, you know, you want to talk about doing, like, villains a disservice? Ultron, man, they totally fucking just ruined, you know, one of the greatest, like, villains, like, in Marvel's history, you know, with this, like, version of the character. Like, he was just, I don't know, man, like, they just defeated him way too easily. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that you had this godlike AI, you know, come up with, like, the harebrained scheme of, like, lifting up a city to drop on Earth to destroy it. When it could literally just access all the world's nukes. Uh-huh. You know, at any point, <laughs> just blow it up. That's a good point. You know, like, what? Like, he's basically asking to be defeated, right? I mean, it just, it was just too much, you know? I mean, it didn't feel like a plot worthy of, you know, the villain we've come to know and love, you know, Ultron and, you know, the Marvel Universe. Well... Speaking of like team up films in general, uh, like who who could ever forget X Men Three? Uh, going I wish into I that, could. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, going into that movie, we had X Men One and Two were so fucking good. I I was the biggest fan of X Men Two, and then we lose it all with this like shitty war between the uh, the mutants and like them taking away their powers, and it, it was so convoluted. And it's not what it like. It's the Phoenix Saga, so that's another thing. That's another great story in comics that they completely just scrubbed clean and wrote their own story with. It was just... Yeah, <laughs> they started the story by killing Scott uh -huh. and the Professor. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> so we're already... I mean, I don't mind you, like, de deviating from the uh -huh. comic books, but, like, come on. Those are, like, two of the main characters from the original storyline, and you're just gonna, like, kill them for no reason whatsoever. You know, do you remember uh, de-aged Professor X yes. in that movie? That's how creepy it seemed. <laughs> and look how that far we've beautiful. come now. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So speaking of de-aging technology, uh, next on my list would have to be Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. I recently went back and tried to watch this film for a second time, and I failed miserably. Like, hearing that Scorsese was, like, putting the band back together again, like, I was pretty fucking stoked. Like, especially hearing, like, El Pacino was also going to be, like, in the cast. Then we're treated to, like, a 20-hour, like, snooze fest 
that like is <laughs> just the absolute definition of overindulgence. I mean, it also like shows you like the limitations of like de-aging because while I mean, they could make actors look younger. You can't really make them move younger. I mean, uh-huh. <laughs> it just made for like this strange, awkward, like viewing experience to say the least. Oh, yeah, I definitely think the runtime was one of the main reasons where it's just like, oh, when am I going to find time to watch this? Oh, it took uh, me like, I think I watched it in three parts. Oh, wow. Because I just had to stop. Like, I was like, okay, I'm exhausted. Nothing's happening. I need to move on. I <laughs> <laughs> just like seeing like, you know, supposedly like 30 something De Niro, like slunched over like a six year old man walking around. It just didn't work. Well, another uh, non-comic book film that I saw, uh, which was like the first time I actually got to see this character on like the big screen, was Indiana Jones and Crystal Skull. Oh, that's a good pick. That should be on my list. <laughs> what a ditto. Like, what a exactly. What a fucking nightmare. I mean, just the opening with him in the fucking uh, fridge, like it yeah. was so campy and cheesy, and then and then we just kept the ball rolling. Like it just, it kept tumbling down the hill. It was like oh. Man, the mount of of Indiana Jones is so great and high, and then we let's find the bottom. <laughs> that's that's just what we went to. It, fucking aliens? I, I don't know, man. Uh, Shia LaBeouf in that film was well, fucking that horrible. That was probably was... the worst part of the film, right there, was Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> you know, I don't even think he's like a terrible actor. No, I just, I, it just, just the whole concept of like them having to like kind of convoluted plot where like it's almost like a passing of the torch, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so unnecessary, and no one wanted that. Like, there's no way you're going to get, like, the son of Indiana Jones, like, you know, series going, like, you know, spinning off of this film. So, like... They absolutely wanted to. I know, (laughs) but, like, I mean, they had to know at, like, a certain point that this was going to work, and no one was going to fucking, you know, go for that. They clearly haven't learned their lesson, though, because they still want to make that up the next one. I would much rather have them just, like, you know, reboot the whole thing and recast the character. I mean, I think Indiana Jones, I know this is sacrilege, could be like James Bond, where, you know, you just have a different actor every, you know, couple Uh decades, you know, playing the role. So I feel like that works, and that's fine. So Idris Elba? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) He can do no wrong, damn it. (laughs) All right, so last on my list, and not to beat a dead horse, but I'm going to beat a dead horse. Star Wars The Phantom Menace. (laughs) Like, being a Star Wars fan... I was absolutely over the moon hearing that George Lucas was going to like continue his space odyssey. I mean, the hype was real. I already had half of the new action figures like before or like soon after the film came out. And then afterwards, I was just in this weird like days of like denial. <laughs> I mean, for at least a month or so. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it took me actually seeing the film a second time before I could finally admit that it just wasn't good. I mean, I came for like lightsaber battles. Instead, I got this like slow burn story about an annoying six year old and like political espionage. Like it just didn't fucking work. I mean, I have a lot of nostalgia for the prequels in general, but I, I can at least m- admit 
that was not a good movie. No. <laughs> you know? So, and I just rewatched it recently with my daughter when I introduced her to Star Wars like a year or so back. And my God, it like it, it hasn't aged any better. Like, you know, sometimes you revisit a film that you hated originally and then you're like, ah, it's not so bad. Not mm. the case here. It is that bad. <laughs> <laughs> like my daughter fell asleep halfway through it. And she was like all the other Star Wars films. She was like running around with a lightsaber in the middle of the film, like going crazy, jumping around, like having the best time ever but not fucking Phantom Menace. Like, like right after the pod race, like, she was out like a light. You know? Well, that like, makes sense, because that's all the Senate parts uh, where they're, like, trying to get help to go to Naboo. And there's, like, whole episodes of Clone Wars that are, like, identical to that that I just, like, want to skip every single time I run into one. But you know what? <laughs> like, Clone Wars, like, fills in the blanks where needed. It True. just makes, like, the, the entire prequels just, like almost bearable if you will because uh, it adds so much depth to the story and the characters i mean thank god for clone wars because i feel like people look upon the prequels like a lot more favorably than they used to just because of clone wars like i feel like that's enhanced the prequels if anything well my last pick uh did absolutely nothing uh to enhance anything ever and was probably the most disappointing film I've, I've ever walked in and out of. Um, it was Avatar, The Last Airbender, um, M. Night Shyamalan's take on the great Nickelodeon series. Now, for anyone that knows me, I, I'm a huge animation fan. I love um, uh, you know anime and stuff like that. Uh, so Avatar was a big series for me growing up. I really loved the show. There's so much like there's so much to it. There's so much characterization and everything. Every character feels so real. And then you get to this movie, man. And like this movie actually stopped them from making the final, like another season of the show because they thought they could like, you know, move on with this film franchise and stuff like that. Like they so, had so much break. hope. So like the, the film actually like ruined the animated series. Yes. Like they had um, ideas for another season and stuff like that. But they just decided, you know, hey, we'll we'll just go on with this movie. And then after the movie was so sour, they decided to just not make any more. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, that's horrible. Yes. <laughs> so that's got to, like, double your hate for this. Exactly. I mean, oh, my God. Did he fuck that up? Um, I mean, they went down the ro route of whitewashing all the characters and stuff like that. But not only that, they didn't seem to, like, grasp the difference between the different nations and stuff like that. And like really get the characterization of all these characters correct because each person has such a different and unique personality that really makes you care for the characters i mean yeah that that works for a long-standing show but you know when you try to suck it all in into a like two-hour movie experience it just doesn't work and like maybe if they had like taken a smaller stab at it and done something like a smaller story rather than trying to do the entire first season of the show uh, it might have worked out a little bit better, but, you know, M. Night Shyamalan just didn't know what he was doing with this fucking And that movie. was at a point in time where they felt like they knew better than the fans and what, like, originally, you know, made that series great. You know, they felt like, oh, we can make it even better by adding in our studio magic. Well, that never mm -hmm. fucking works. It's like, stay true to the source material or the best you can in a two-hour period and just let it be, you know? Because exactly. otherwise, you're not capturing the magic, you know? And if you can't capture that original magic, then, you know, there's no point in doing it. 
Yes, it, I mean, and we're also seeing like a lot of uh, what's it called? These same things come up with the possible Netflix series that they're gonna do. Like, um, it just seems like they might not be capturing that same lightning in a bottle as the um, original animated series. What the actual uh, creators of the show pretty much walking out on like, it. I don't expect you to stay true to every beat of like the original mm-hmm. story, especially if it's an ongoing, like a TV series, you know, that lasted many seasons. Like you're not going to be able to do that in like a film. I mean, even a live action series is going to have a hard time capturing like what an anime, you know, series can do. But at the same time, you've got to at least try to capture the essence of it. Um, you know, it's just, I mean, it's a huge undertaking. I get it, especially when you have so many, like, diehard fans behind it. Mm-hmm. But, like, you gotta at least try and make an effort. It's when you start, like, betraying, like, that original story. That's when you've known you've gone off the tracks. And you need to just kind of pump your brakes and, like, reset. Exactly. Well, that was a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, like we said, we're light on content this week. So uh, let's just move on to news or what little news we have, Christian. But before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing nerd show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. Alright, first up we got some big casting news coming from Disney on their new Disney Plus series, Hawkeye. So not only do we finally get confirmation that Haley Steinfeld has been cast as Kate Bishop in the Disney Plus Hawkeye series, I mean via some leaked footage of her carrying a bow and arrow wearing comic book accurate purple on the subway hanging out with clint but we also got the announcement and confirmation of the casting of some major roles in the series i mean many of these were actually rumored for the last couple months uh but here we go uh vera farmiga will be playing kate's mom eleanor Farah Fee seems to be playing the Marvel villain, The Clown. Tony Dalton will be Clint Burton's um, mentor, Swordsman, who is also an Avenger in the comics. Uh, Elquia Cox will be playing another former Avenger in the comics, uh, Maya Lopez, a.k.a. Echo. And then, huge spoilers here, um, Florence Pugh will be reprising her role from Black Widow as Natasha's sister, Yelena Belova. Man, knowing that she's part of this series now, there's so many interesting things they can explore with that character. I mean, does she find out from Clint, like, how Natasha died in Endgame? You know, and what's her reaction to that? Is she gonna choose to be the new Black Widow and carry on her sister's legacy? And if you think about it, that could really set up some cool parallels between her and Kate. Especially with Kate possibly taking over or sharing the mantle of Hawkeye with Clint. I mean, I guess only time will tell, but I'm getting more and more excited for this series. I mean, I'm excited to see more crossovers like this. That that was the main reason I've always been excited about, you know, all the Disney Plus MCU series is that maybe we'll get little nods and little things here and there with characters just showing up. So I think that's the thing. It doesn't sound like it's going to be little nods. It's going to be just like huge crossovers happening here and there. Yes. (laughs) So, I mean, and that's kind of what Foggy has been, you know, saying all along. I mean... Whether you believe it or not, that's up to you, but he's saying that these series are going to carry as much weight as, you know, the films. Um, And from everything that we're seeing so far, it seems to be the case. 
Absolutely, and just like you said earlier, we got footage of um, our new Hawkeye going down the stairs with uh, Clint into the subway as well. What did you think of the glimpse we saw of Haley Steinfeld as Hawkeye? She was kind of teasing it on like her social media accounts earlier this week, mm -hmm. um, but now you know we've got the footage to prove it. Uh, we see her carrying the bow, and she's all decked out in like comic book accurate purple. So she's definitely you know the new Hawkeye in this. No, it. it it all looks exactly how I pictured it with her in the role, so. Breaking news alert. Breaking news alert. All right, we got some huge breaking news with Warner Brothers releasing all of their 2021 lineup for films on HBO Max. Really, after Warner Brothers moved Wonder Woman 1984 to HBO Max, we probably should have seen the writing on the wall. But anyway, today Warner Brothers announced that they would be directly releasing all their 2021 movies onto HBO Max the same day that they released them into the theaters. Uh, this is absolutely one of the biggest news stories in recent history in regards to the film industry. And while Warner Brothers has come out and said this is only for the year 2021 and a direct response to the pandemic, you gotta think a new release like model like this is going to be a game changer for Hollywood and might cause a ripple effect. Uh, so you might ask, what films then are coming directly to HBO Max in 2021? Well, the answer is a whole fucking lot. Uh, you know, just to name a few, obviously Wonder Woman 1984, The Suicide Squad, The Matrix 4, Dune, Mortal Kombat, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, Space Jam A New Legacy, and The Sopranos prequel film, plus a whole lot more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that even includes horror movies like The Conjuring. I mean, this news is massive. I mean, they're going to be putting out so many different genres of films. I think a lot of us forget that Warner Brothers is more than just, you know, DC and Batman content, you know? It is a huge film studio, so I can only imagine, you know, theaters have got to be pissed off. Uh, AMC is not happy about this. They just put out a press release blasting Warner Brothers and their decision. I mean, yeah, that must suck for them but i mean personally as a hbo max subscriber uh this has brought new value to that app like tenfold but i digress let's move on back to our regular scheduled programming all right so up next peter dinklage in talks to possibly star in legendaries the toxic avenger and we have no word whether or not he would be playing melvin um, the alter ego of Toxie, but uh, it seems like Deadline is confirming that there are at least, you know, talks happening between the two parties right now. Uh, Legendary Pictures um, produced films like Godzilla, Jurassic Park, Krampus, Trick or Treat, and the forthcoming Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel. So, I mean, this is pretty big for, you know, the little trauma film that could. Um, you know, Toxic Avenger mm -hmm. is definitely a cult classic. Um, God, I still remember watching it for the first time when I was probably eight years old and getting sick to my fucking stomach. <laughs> but I mean, it's just a fantastic movie and a good time if you've never checked it out. To think that this movie went from being one of the grossest films I'd ever seen at that, you know, young age to being like a kid's cartoon series just like a handful of years later. It's pretty fucking amazing. They had toys too, right? Yes. Yes, they did. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know what the correlation was. But I mean, I, I mean, Freddy was in Toy Owls at that point, too, and still is. 
<laughs> so, I mean, yeah, the 80s and the 90s were a sick and twisted place. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> Fair that, enough. That's somehow all the news we have. You know, but I guess that happens with Thanksgiving week, right? Well, there was a big episode that came out last week of The Mandalorian. Yes, and that's all that really should fucking matter. Uh, <laughs> one of our favorite characters of all time, Ahsoka, finally made her live action debut. Warning spoilers for The Mandalorian Season 2 ahead. And now, our feature presentation. Ahsoka Tano! Bo-Katan sent me. We need to talk. I hope it's about him. So, Christian, I know earlier on we were talking about how hype could just lead to, like, great disappointment. Well, I'm happy to say that this was not the fucking case with this episode of The Mandalorian. This episode absolutely lived up to the hype and delivered in spades. No, absolutely. I mean, we got it. Within two minutes, we got awesomeness from Ahsoka. I, I just can't believe that. Like, I was expecting maybe way later in the episode or something she'd show up. Not in the first fucking two seconds. <laughs> no, yeah, she came out fucking lightsabers blazing. Like, mm -hmm. she sparked up right away. I really thought, like, you know, I actually was being more conservative. I was like, oh, we'll get a glimpse of her at the end of the episode. And then they'll tease it, so we have to wait till the following episode uh, to get, like, a full Ahsoka episode. No, fuck that. They fucking <laughs> said, we're giving you all the Ahsoka you can handle and more. And God bless them for it. Yes, I mean, this was all the, like, samurai goodness. I did it out of, a, like, a Jedi moment ever. <laughs> yes. No, I agree 100%. Okay, well, let's go ahead and let's break it down. All right, yeah, starting off on the forest planet of Corvus, Ahsoka Tano confronts Imperial Magistrate Morgan Elsbeth, um, ruler of the city of Caledon, um, and her lieutenant, Lang. Johnny fucking Ringo. Put some goddamn respect on his name, Christian. Michael B. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> How dare you? This... <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> I haven't seen the movie. I don't fucking know what you're talking uh, about. Okay, well, fucking Terminator, <laughs> Christian. Or Aliens, okay. for crying out loud. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, fine. Fair, fair enough. Uh, what we get in this scene is um, Ahsoka is pretty much threatening to get some information out of the magistrate and says, you've got one day or I'm coming back and fucking you guys up. Uh, the magistrate tries to play tough and says, I'm going to kill all my people that you so much care about <laughs> if if you try and come back here at all. It definitely had the feel of a classic, you know, samurai film kind of standoff and everything. Uh, but man, that opening scene in the fucking like forest. Uh -huh. I mean, just pitch perfect for Ahsoka. Like they really captured like the physicality of the character. Um, you know, just the way that she, like, drew out her fucking sabers and everything. Um, like, how innovative she is in, like, in the middle of, like, a battle and everything. How she was using, like, you know, the trees against, you know, all the soldiers and everything. Uh -huh. Just fantastic. Really just, you know, the perfect kind of introduction you know, for the character, for people who might not be as, like, familiar as, you know, some hardcore fans No, absolutely. Are. Following morning, the Mandalorian and the child arrive at Kalanin and are taken directly to Elsbeth, um, who offers the Mandalorian a Beskar spear in exchange of, for killing Ahsoka. Um, you know, we see him enter the town, and it's, like, it's destitute in there, man. Like, I... Yeah. I I wouldn't have even talked, tried to talk to anyone. I'd be like, okay, what's going on here as soon as I walked in? 
But um, yeah, seeing the like the dudes in the like the electric like little circles where they can't move and I don't know. That was pretty awesome though. I was, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who dreamt that up? That seems horrifying. <laughs> um, I love that. You know, you know, uh, the Mandalorian always plays like wisely with his words. Like he never mm-hmm. really agreed to kill Ahsoka. If you watch it back, you know, he just kind of agreed to like confront her really. So, I mean, he still, like, stays true to his word, you know, but still really misleading. <laughs> you know, whoever he's dealing with. He's got he's a creed to follow. Yes. <laughs> he finds his way around the uh-huh. creed, you know, to manipulate it a little. So, yeah, the Mandalorian finds Ahsoka in the forest and tells her that Bo-Katan had sent him, you know, after almost getting murdered by Ahsoka. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, you know, Ahsoka finally gets to meet the child and they have this like kind of moment where they're just like not really saying any words. You, Mandalorian's looking at them confused. Like, are they actually fucking talking? He's probably fucking nervous as well. We can't see the expressions on his face, Damon. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, so Ahsoka's like there with him communicating through the force, not using any words. Um, she reveals the child's name is Grogu and that he was raised and trained at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Um, Which is a huge like information dump that just came out of nowhere. Like, yeah. I didn't expect that at all <laughs> to happen in this episode. But, I mean, pretty awesome that they gave us that. Yeah, I, I just immediately started thinking, like, was he in the room? Was he there when Anakin, like, exactly. came in? Like, I mean, think of all the possibilities, storytelling-wise. Mm-hmm. Like, how far back you can go. Like, I never put him, you know, during that, like, Clone War period for some reason. Or, like, exactly. he was actually there, um, you know, in the Jedi Temple. So, like, who hid him? Who, like, you know, all these questions are now opened up because of, like, this little, like, couple sentences of dialogue. No, exactly. Like, I always thought of him as maybe just another anomaly in the Force. You know, he just came to be. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, there has been speculation online that he is Yoda and Yo- and Yolets. Oh, like, Yaddle? Yaddle? Yaddle, there we go. <laughs> Yolets. Uh, I, I don't know why. It's that was just as a good right. name as Yaddle. So. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to give you too much shit. Uh, then he might be their child. And I'm like, nah. And then, like, a lot of people that. were upset because Ahsoka seemed to forget about Yaddle. When she she mentioned that uh, she's seen, you know, one creature uh-huh. like him in the past, you know. Um, but I don't know if Yaddle, Yaddle wasn't around in, you know, in her time frame, right? I think she's no, only in she was only the Phantom first Menace. One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So technically that could be true because I'm not sure, you know, Yaddle's backstory. I mean, my daughter's obsessed with the prequels now, so I'm sure she could probably tell me. Yeah, <laughs> man, you gotta go place. to the encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she loves that thing. Yeah, she's read that thing front <laughs> to back. But I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not up to date on my Yaddle, you know, history, you know, so uh-huh. <laughs> it is what it is. But it's pretty crazy to think that they've added yet another wrinkle to, you know, the prequel saga. I mean, if you think about it now, you know, with the whole well, you know introduction of, you know, just the fact that, you know, Grogu was around during that period of time. Well, if anyone could do it, it'd be Filoni, right? <laughs> I smell another right. series coming. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> At least a mini series. Uh-huh. Well, after this, I mean, after she's just dumped all this information on us um, and after telling us that, you know, he's been suppressing his powers over the la- last few years uh, or well, however long he's been fucking alive at this point, uh, Ahsoka, you know, tries to get him to take a rock from her hand. 
and try to use the force in front of her. He kind of refuses until Mando shows him the little ball that we saw earlier in the episode that he stole from him. Um, and he immediately takes it from him. Ahsoka refuses to train him, um, worry of the path that Grogu could take due to his attachment to the Mandalorian and the fear and anger inside him, um, the consequences of which um, she has definitely seen before. Yes, she has. <laughs> but it makes perfect sense if you think about mm -hmm. it. Obviously, she saw what you know happened to her master. Um, and God knows how powerful you know Baby Yoda actually is. I mean, if he's been repressing his, like, abilities all these years after, you know, the prequels, I mean, what would it look like if he wasn't? What if he was training that entire time? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, what would his capabilities really be? Um, and then what would happen if he got into the wrong hands? Exactly. I mean, imagine what um, Palpatine would have done with a mini Yoda. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, Grand Moff Gideon, as we saw, in, <laughs> you know, in the last episode, what he wants to do with him. Exactly. But you would think that someone would have a Jedi like looking over him, too, at that point, you know, sending him off. You know, mm -hmm. they had, you know, Obi-Wan got, you know, guarding Luke. Um, you would think that there'd be another Jedi, you know, kind of following him, you know, but obviously everything kind of happened in like the heat of the moment, I, I'm guessing. So um, hopefully they get to tell that story. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, I mean, who knows if Yoda was able to contact anyone other than Obi-Wan during that time period. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or was it even uh, was it even Yoda and Obi-Wan who like hit him away? Uh, with Ahsoka's uh, refusal, uh, Mando definitely like desperately tries to get her to change her mind, and then ultimately ultimately um, proposes to like help her storm the city um, if she you know promises to train him. Uh, she kind of vaguely says sure, um, and they go on their way to actually go attack the town. I mean, first uh, Bo-Katan and then fucking Ahsoka just boldface lying. <laughs> uh <-huh>. <laughs> <laughs> you know brokering these deals and then just turning around and you know not really honoring them <laughs> i mean it is what it is i guess they've lived the hard life at this point <laughs> so hmm. well it also goes to show you know mando's trusting character as well i think during these but you would think he'd be you know a little less gullible you know being this know. fucking you know famous <laughs> bounty hunter <laughs> apparently this is the way you know yeah <laughs> Um, so Ahsoka and the Mandalorian storm the city, uh, killing all the guards and freeing the citizens. Uh, they focused a lot of time on one particular citizen. I don't know why it threw me off every time to see him just peeking out the door. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the guy he yeah. actually talked to in the yes, town. Yes, yes. And I don't know what, I mean, I guess story-wise it was their way of getting us to, like, empathize with, like, the citizens, like, plight and everything to really mm -hmm. capture, you know, their hardships, the fact that they are, you know, a people under siege, if you think about it. So, but at the same time, I probably could have done without it, honestly. I mean, it didn't really take up that much time, though. Uh -huh. um, so it is what it is. <laughs> You know, um, I didn't see him getting the robe at the end and like becoming the new, you know, you know, yeah, I don't that know was mayor or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, OK, cool. Um, I did pop, though, when she actually was like in the dark and decided to pop out her lightsabers the exact way she did it in the show. Yes. <laughs> yes. Pretty amazing. And like it's moments like that. Why you have David Filoni directing, you know, this episode. 
Because no one can exactly. capture Ahsoka like him, obviously. Um, she goes on to fight um, Elsbeth, who is using the Beskar staff, which can deflect lightsabers, uh, for those who are unaware. During this time, Mando and Lang are kind of in a standoff, you know, waiting to hear who might win this fight. Um, it's a decent fight. Uh, I think, you know, it seemed like Ahsoka was kind of toying with her a little bit. You know, she does want to keep her alive to get the information she's looking for. Because I think outright she would have won that fight like in minutes flat. Yeah, I mean, I was a little taken aback that, you know, it was such a hard fought battle. You know, Mm -hmm. it seemed like a pretty good back and forth. So maybe you're right. Um, But we don't really know much of like the magistrate's like backstory at the same time. So, I mean, maybe she's a highly trained, you know, fighter also. Um, but you would think that, you know, Ahsoka could make short work of her. Yeah, I just I guess I didn't get anything of like the magistrate's combat ability from the choreography during that fight. Like I didn't see anything that really showed me, oh, she's had experience fighting people with a lightsaber and stuff like that. I mean, I guess if that's the case, they could have done a better job, you know, kind of displaying her, you know, prowess mm-hmm. on the battlefield. Um, I mean, with that said, um, we hear the metal clang of the Beskar hitting the ground as Ahsoka wins, and Lang decides to try and, you know, trick the Mando with, uh, you know, him putting his weapon down. It, it was it was pretty clear what he was going to do mm-hmm. at that moment, and Mando shot him down as he as he should. Yes. So, <laughs> um, and with that, we had the big revelation of what Ahsoka was really after in this town. Um, she was trying to get information from the magistrate on the location of Grand Admiral Thrawn, which blew my fucking mind. Holy shit, right? <laughs> they just keep on fucking like piling in plot twists here and there in this I episode. <laughs> um, I mean, this is huge, especially if you're a fan of like Rebels um, and obviously the expanded universe. Um, it just, I mean, he's such a fantastic villain. I mean, I'm excited that we could possibly get like a live action version of this character now. No, absolutely. I think it's you know amazing that we get anything like this, let alone the fact that we got to see Ahsoka in live action, but the the promise of an Admiral Thrawn in live action, I just think is amazing. But, you know, after the liberation of Kaladin, um, Mando, you know, prepares to leave Grogu with Ahsoka. And it's a, it's a heart warming moment. You know, he really like, seems like he's, you know, processing actually leaving him there. And Ahsoka shows up and says, no, nah, I'm not taking him. <laughs> <laughs> Psych. <laughs> Um, he, you know, she notes that he's become like a father to Grogu. The attachment is real strong between the two of them. But I mean, if if Grogu finds a way to reach out to other Jedi, then maybe his, he can continue on with that path. Um, she talks to him about going to a Jedi temple on Tython, which is like considered in legends, you know, the like the birth of the Jedi mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, you know, where Grogu may actually be able to call out to another Jedi through the Force. Uh, the Mandalorian like, and choose Grogu- his own path. Yeah, choose his own path and stuff like that. Um, and that's Mando's pretty much next path uh, with Grogu is to go to Tython and figure out what Grogu wants to do. Take the light, take the dark, maybe just become, um, you know, a force using Mandalorian or Mando Jr. Exactly. Uh, that's that's the route I want him to go. <laughs> I think that's where he's headed. But, you know, uh-huh. um, people start speculating right away that, you know, Luke Skywalker was going to fucking show up. 
Um, that seems highly unlikely. I mean, people are, of course, you know, fan casting once again, um, Sebastian Stan as, you know, a younger Luke, um, which actually works. Um, and I've come hmm. around on it. That being said, it's definitely going to be Ezra, right? Like, yes. I mean, it only <laughs> makes sense, you know, where they're going story wise and just, you know, the continuity that they're playing with, with, you know, rebels and clone wars and everything that, you know, we, get a visit from Ezra so and I'm okay with that you know some people were even going as far as saying you know Mace Windu we're gonna (laughs) find out that Mace has survived Um, that's Uh, been a big rumor for years Uh, but no I think it's definitely Ezra and Filoni actually came out in an interview after this show aired because a lot of people were kind of timeline wise um, going back to the finale of Rebels where we see ahsoka and uh sabine going off to find ezra after um you know uh the events of return of the jedi so filoni in an interview um kind of i don't know i don't know if he leaked information or he teased information but a lot of people are kind of confused about the timeline because at the end of rebels you see sabine and ahsoka go off to search for ezra at the end of like the events of return of the jedi um so they're just trying to like figure out the timeline with everything like where Mm -hmm. does this episode of the mandalorian kind of like match up and he was saying well you know what actually this episode could have taken place before those events which would mean what we saw in rebels in the finale wasn't actually directly after the events of return of the jedi if that makes any sense because uh, technically, technically, I believe the Mandalorian is supposed to take place five years after, you know, yes. the, the final battle in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I thought that was interesting, um, you know, and, you know, some convenient storytelling on his part. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing he didn't like timestamp that, you know, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, I mean, just the fact that we could get Thrawn. You know, at some point, it's just, I mean, amazing to me. I, after this, I don't know if you felt this way. I felt like this was like a pilot episode for an Ahsoka, you know, series. I mean, I would watch it. Yeah. I would absolutely watch it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I agree 100%. 100%. Um, I am excited to see what, you know, Mando will do with that staff against uh, Grand Moff Gideon at this point. Yes. That's definitely <laughs> I think that's going to be awesome. Yeah, that's uh-huh. definitely happening. I, I was originally thinking that it might be Ahsoka versus Gideon, but this makes way more sense now that we've introduced the staff and everything. Uh, I definitely think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I, I do feel like we'll see Ahsoka, you know, later on down the line, you know, along with Bo-Katan. Uh, you know, I I definitely feel like Ma- the Mandalorian is going to be standing shoulder to shoulder with like Bo-Katan and Ahsoka retaking, you know, Mandalore. Yes. So I feel like that's where this journey really ends, you know, for the series, mm-hmm. um, you know, them overcoming, you know, Moff Gideon and, you know, retaking the planet and, and just one like epic, like grand finale. No, yeah, I definitely want to see it. I want I want to know what this is like. <laughs> I'm just curious what 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 Ezra is going to do in the series at this point. And I don't know. He might not like physically be there. It might be him like reaching out like through the forest. So it might just be almost like an apparition, if you will. No, I mean, I'm hoping for at least like an over the shoulder shot like we got with Boba Fett at the beginning of the series. <laughs> and he's still a wild card. Yes. You know, is he popping up, you know, somewhere within the next couple episodes? Because there's only what, like three episodes left at this point? 
Mm -hmm. I wonder if he ends up aligning with uh, Gideon to try and get the armor or something. It feels like that would be very much in his wheelhouse. So. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also rumored to have his own series coming, too. So we'll, we shall exactly. see. No, it's been a crazy season so far, and I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. Agreed. Well, before we move on, this week's episode of The Amazing Nerd Show was sponsored by Liquid Death and OK Drugs. Was that another diet pop? Hell no, man. What you just heard was an ice cold can of liquid death. Oh, awesome. I told you you'd love them. Damn straight I do. The only way to quench my thirst now is by looking death in the eye and grabbing myself a can of the baddest H2O around. I mean, you know what they say, hydrate or die. Well, Damon, that's because liquid death is all about taking the cutesy out of H2O and giving you a can of the healthy stuff. Packaged with the most hardcore branding you can find, no water company makes you feel more like a badass while being healthy. This water hails straight from the mountains to the can in your hand. Unlike other major water brands that use processed tap water, Liquid Death maintains the original mineral profile of the water and seals it up airtight in their cans. Well, the fact that they use cans instead of plastic bottles means it's actually more recyclable, too. Exactly. Liquid Death is good for you and good for the environment. Well, it definitely seems the only thing they'll be killing is the competition. You're damn right, Damon. Our listeners can murder their thirst by finding Liquid Death at Whole Foods or their website, Liquid Death. Again, Liquid Death can be found at Whole Foods or at liquiddeath.com. Murder your thirst and look like a badass while doing it. Hydrate or die. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and it's not just because in 2020 we've all lowered our standards. OK Drugs have also lowered their prices for amazing nerd show listeners. So you can now check in, chew up, and tune out with OK Drugs Peach Edibles, a perfectly calming remedy for those seeking a gentle easing of worry. Peach Edibles are vegan, THC-free, made with broad-spectrum CBD to help you relax, and L-theanine to help you stay focused. Order your feel-good fix and use promo code AMAZINGNERD to get 10% off your first order at okdrugs.co. That's right. Find clarity when you use promo code AMAZINGNERD at checkout over on okdrugs.co. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. It's time for Christian's Corner. So this week in gaming news has been a bit quiet, and that's all because Cyberpunk is finally almost here. You can feel it in the air, and all the news sites plus myself can't stop talking about the release coming on the 10th. I mean, my girlfriend is going to probably throw me out of the house if I bring up how many days are left one more fucking time. I don't think I've been on a hype train for this long since the development of GTA 5, in which, at release, I waited in line until fucking midnight to actually like pick up the game and bring it home, bike my way all the way back from GameStop. So you can say with this game, I'm pretty excited. Um, and with that said, I'd like to give an opportunity to spread my hype for this game onto you, our listeners, with the announcement of Cyberpunk Week. Starting Wednesday the 9th at 8 p.m. Central Time, The Amazing Nerd Show will be live on Twitch playing Cyberpunk 2077. We will be playing live each and every day until Sunday night. 
But that's not all. For those of you who tune in and either want a copy of the game for yourself or a friend this holiday season, on PC or a console of your choosing, I will be giving away one copy of Cyberpunk 2077 to my Twitch followers. For those active in the chat, you will also get an additional entry into this giveaway. So Chubas, you want a free copy of the game? Follow me on Twitch and tune in as the amazing nerd show burns Night City to the ground during Cyberpunk week. The lucky winner will be announced Sunday, December 13th during the live stream. Um, and then for those of you who simply just can't tune in live, um, but still want to check out the content, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you will be able to catch two episodes each day starting Monday of my playthrough of Cyberpunk 2077. Alright, well, like I said before, all that craziness with the Cyberpunk Week stuff, um, it, it has been quiet, but there are things here and there going on in the gaming world as usual. Like Bioware just lost two executive producers. Um, Bioware is the infamous studio behind games like Mass Effect, Knights of the Old Republic, Dragon Age, and most recently, Anthem. Um, the two execs um, that are on the outs at this point are Casey Hudson, uh, Bioware's uh, general manager, and Mark um, Dara, I believe is how you pronounce that. Um, Mark Dara, who was the executive producer on the next Dragon Age game. Um, you know, to start, you know, Hudson left to work for Microsoft and has come back before um, to work with um, Bioware. So, I mean, who knows? He could always show back up. But in his own words, he stated this was the right time he felt, you know, to leave the company. Um, Dara stated he was pained to leave, but knows Dragon Age will live on without him. Um, but we will see, because, you know, if any company is willing to shut down a studio that works for them, um, it would be EA. You know, they are all about the bottom line. Do you guys see this as a big sign that um, EA could possibly shut down Bioware? I mean, and we've seen them shut down things before, um, you know, Anthem, which was supposed to be this major game for the studio was a massive failure altogether for them. Um, and, you know, even after about a year and a half of the game being out, um, they are already planning on rebooting the entire thing. That's got to be hard on that studio in general. Um, you know, EA's had uh, some losses and some big hits from Bioware because of Anthem and games like Mass Effect Andromeda where the game just came out and either didn't play right or just didn't rub the fans the right way. I know Mass Effect Andromeda was, you know, so hard to watch and look at. Um, as someone who really enjoyed the uh, original three Mass Effect games and even like the, the original ending to Mass Effect, um, I thought Andromeda was just hot garbage. Uh, <laughs> I can't lie. I mean, you know, and that can easily bring, you know, EA's, you know, money hammer down <laughs> on Bioware alone, let alone having something that they definitely put a ton of money into, like Anthem, really just be a failing cause for that studio. The next Dragon Age game, if that were to underperform, it could honestly be the death blow to Bioware. Uh, it's, you know, it's very hard to see Mark Dara's departure as a good sign for the team as a whole. Uh, but I mean, you guys let me know what you think. Um, I know my favorite Bioware game ever will always be Star Wars, um, Knights of the Old Republic. 
Um, it's a game that I hold near and dear. You know, it's one of the best RPGs out there. Um, you know, it's it's a little hard to look at nowadays with graphics, but you know, back then, I mean, that storyline is so fucking well handled. And you guys tell me, what was your guys' favorite Bioware games? Do you guys think this could possibly be the end? Uh, we'll, we'll discuss it in the chat, stuff like that, on Twitch and stuff like that. Um, and make sure that you join us on Twitch. As I said, we are going to be playing Cyberpunk next week. But before that, this weekend, I'm going to try and finish Spider-Man uh, Miles Morales. That is one of my main goals for this weekend. Um, if I don't finish it on Saturday, it will definitely be done on Sunday. Um, otherwise, I will be continuing on with The Witcher and uh, Watch Dogs if I have time. But I mean, the main focus this, for this weekend is just finish Spider-Man. I have to be pretty close. I feel like I'm in that third act type of area of the game storyline. So we'll see. Um, I, there's tons of side missions and stuff, but um, for the main storyline, I think I'm pretty close to the end in general. Um, so definitely check out our channel for that. Um, if you haven't caught anything, um, there's a few replays still up on Twitch. But otherwise, you can join us on our YouTube channel where I post the replays that I edit down. Um, I cut them down into more concise pieces and stuff like that. And you can check that out for any game that I play on Twitch. Um, it all comes onto YouTube. Um, the next following week usually uh, where I cut it all down into pieces and make, put it out Monday through Friday so definitely subscribe to us there all right yes um, let's move on to wrestling oh now Mr. Patterson what happens to the North American title if in fact you are the intercontinental champion well let me tell you something first of all the intercontinental champion represents a lot of money and a lot of prestige and represents a lot more prestige than the world's championship belt because you know why? To win that championship, I had to beat 15 of the best wrestlers in the world in the tournament. And I came out on top. So I don't care who the world's champion is, I am the intercontinental champion and I'm the best in the world today. All right, so before we get started, uh, we lost a true legend of the ring today. Um, and one of the greatest minds in wrestling history, Pat Patterson. Rest in peace. All right, Christian, winter has arrived. This week on AEW, we had their biggest episode yet. And I will argue one of the best episodes of wrestling that we've had in quite <laughs> a long time. Is that saying a lot, though? Not really. It was a damn, it was a damn good episode. It was. It was a pretty damn good I episode. think it was the best episode of, of, you know, AEW. And by far the best episode of, you know, anything that WWE or NXT has actually offered us in a long time. I still hate the name, though. <laughs> what? The Winter is Coming. Oh, I don't mind. I name. actually like the name. I liked what they did with it. I actually hope that it becomes like a regular event. Hmm. I don't know. It's a, it's a dead reference. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I mean, people still love it. Game of Thrones, man. If you say so. You can... <laughs> You're such a millennial. You're like, oh, that was so last year. <laughs> it was. Give me a it break. Was. <laughs> <laughs> you could have fucking Glacier come out and be like the mascot for like, you know, the 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 the, the special, right? That'd be I cool. <laughs> He's not doing anything. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Waited for WWE to call. And he was on AEW, like, what, during, I think, uh, All Out? Or All In? Oh. He showed up, he was part of, like, Cody's entourage at one point. 
I wouldn't be surprised. Everyone's a friend of Cody's yes, at this point. Yes. His entourage <laughs> keeps on growing. <laughs> uh, uh, what did you think of the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal that started off the show? I thought it was probably the best Battle Royal that they've ever done. Um, that's not saying much. I usually hate their Battle Royals. <laughs> yes. But I thought there was some good storytelling being, you know, mm-hmm. done in like during the Battle Royal. Um, it seemed a little more like, you know, planned out and booked. Um, not just utter chaos and a clusterfuck, which happens a lot with their battle royals for some reason. <laughs> While it was definitely clunky here and there, um, mm-hmm. overall, I thought it was well done. Um, I do wish they would pump the brakes a little with the whole inner circle storyline. I was kind of hoping that we'd like see a chapter here where MJF like proves himself to like Sammy and them, you know, by like getting eliminated. Um, and sacrificing himself. Um, that's kind of where I thought they were actually going. Instead, now we've got more dissension in the ranks. Um, they're going to do another, it seems like, town hall type deal. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think he called it like the ultimatum or something, Jericho, uh, uh-huh. during his match or after his match. So, I don't know. We've been seeing a lot of that lately. Um, I'd like to see them like work as a unit for like at least like you know two or three months before we kind of blow off this angle and storyline i mean the moments where they did work together i i enjoyed a lot like i thought you know maybe sammy and mgf could actually be a well-oiled machine at some point but i agree and that's uh, where i thought we're headed you know i just feel like they're pulling the trigger on this too fast and they they hmm. could stretch this out and make sense because i actually liked the visual of like the whole group together and everything um you know especially like last episode um so i I want to see more of that and maybe we'll get that maybe they'll have like you know a breaking of the bread if you if you will and you know they'll kind of settle things for a little bit and everyone will get on the right page and then like somewhere down the line you know we have the betrayal that we know is going to happen Yes. (laughs) I actually was taken surprised by Orange Cassidy. I completely forgot he was on the outside of the ring. Uh, (laughs) Do you feel like they're doing too much with Orange? Like, too fast? Um, I mean, I think they're spreading him a little thin (laughs) with his type of character. Yeah, yeah, that's my worry, too. Um, I mean, I know he gets great ratings. I know he was, like, the number one selling t-shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees, I believe, this past year, which is just crazy to think. Uh, but i'm just worried that like fans will start to kind of i don't know i don't know if there'll be like a backlash towards him since they're kind of pushing him so hard yeah you don't want that moment of like oh the fans think he's you know earned it too quickly um and turn on him right away like that happened with like omega and that happened with like several other um big stars like oh he's getting too many opportunities we need to let you know some of the other younger talent you know shine here um you know, so and I, I don't want them to also like betray the gimmick and what got him to the dance in the first place. Yes. You know, if you do too much with him and have him like overexposed and, you know, talking too much, if you will. I mean, then I feel like, well, that's not the point of the character. That's not who he started off as and what uh-huh. got him popular in the first place. So um, but anyway, I, I just want it to be more organic, I guess. Yes, you want an organic orange, huh? That's right. <laughs> Give me one of those whole food oranges, damn it. 
<laughs> to go along with Wait. my can of liquid death. There you go. There you go. <laughs> like <Wow>. a pro. <laughs> Product tie-in. All right. Uh, so let's move on. But well, we do yeah. know next week we're going to have MJF versus Orange Cassidy, which I forgot was like how this whole battle royal worked. You know, yeah. that's the last two people in the ring who win, and they'll be facing off for the Dynamite Diamonds ring, which I don't even know if anyone really wants, but whatever. Yeah, it's it's okay. I mean, I'm I guess, assuming MJF will walk away with it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Although, I, I, it would be funny to see, you know, Orange with it, like what he could use it for, you know, sight gag-wise. Uh, I would love <laughs> if he went the Nido route and just started throwing it places. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. Uh, or just leaving it places and not caring. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> or trying to give it to other people. <laughs> Maybe pawn it. Yeah, that makes sense. For another pair uh, of sunglasses or something. Uh, so, all right. Up next, we had Chris Jericho defeating Frankie Kazarian. I thought this was a solid match. Um, There's a little too much interference happening in the very beginning where I, I didn't understand why the ref was allowing it to happen and didn't like get rid of, of the inner circle. Like she's watching uh-huh. them try to like close on close line uh, Kazarian. And I'm like, why aren't they getting tossed out here? Like it, it didn't make much sense to me. But I mean, besides them not protecting the ref, which was kind of weird for, you know, a Jericho Kazarian match, you know, those are two seasoned vets who I feel like, you know, respect the position at least. Um, but whatever. Um, I thought the match was fine. I enjoyed it. Um, it's always fun to watch these two lock up since I don't think they've actually met in the ring too many times in the past. Um, but yeah, no, um, the ending I thought was a little weird, like having MJF come out with the towel and everything. Once again, it goes back to me complaining about like, uh-huh. are they fast tracking the storyline a little too much? I mean, that, that's totally just the Cody spot and everything. You're teasing, mm-hmm. you know, him betraying him, um, you know, having Sammy freak out, um, you know, especially when it's something that like Chris can go back and watch for himself uh-huh. you know and see what happened <laughs> you know it's like okay well do we need to have this ultimatum like once you watch the footage like because i mean sammy had every right to be pissed off with mjf trying to throw in the towel here uh so it just i don't know it feels a little too convoluted for me i guess my reasoning for it was he just wants everyone to work well together and wants to see them stop fighting yeah but I, once I, he sees that mjf was trying to throw in the towel doesn't that all go out the window like, doesn't he, like, all of a sudden be like, what the fuck, dude? You're already trying to stab me in the back three weeks in? I don't know. He's just an angry parent fed up with all the lies, I, you know? He's I just... guess. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Frankie Kazari can go. Um, I think all the members of SCU are talented on their own and in the team. So it's always great to see them on television. Up next, we had Britt Baker, uh, DMD. Defeating Layla Hirsch. Legit. I really love Layla Hirsch um, and her style. I think she brings a lot to the table um, and just, you know, I don't know, just something different for the, you know, AEW's women's division. I Mm -hmm. was a little disappointed that she didn't get the win here because I really thought the storyline was going to be that Thunder Rosa comes out and, you know, gets revenge by costing, you know, Britt the match like she, you know, Britt did to her. Um, but that didn't happen because I thought it could really like, I don't know, up, you know, Layla Hirsch's stock 
in the women's division a little more because I want her to have a last spotlight. And she she's been having competitive matches against the caliber of wrestler that they've been putting her against. But I don't know. I just guess I I'm a huge fan. I want her featured more. So, um, but maybe they felt like they had to build up Britt Baker, you know, to face off against Thunder Rosa. Well, it makes sense, but I mean, it didn't, it wouldn't have hurt her, I don't think, if she had lost the match because of like a DQ or something. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, and then they had this long pull apart afterwards, but I mean, it was still, I mean, it worked. I'm glad that like Layla Hirsch was part of that though too so mm-hmm. I, I felt like okay well they do have something planned for her you know instead of her doing the you know usual like wrestler thing where she just like rolls out of the ring and disappears you know a lot of times during those pull aparts you'll see that happen so maybe we'll have like a tag team situation with you know Britt mm-hmm. Baker and Rebel versus Layla Hirsch and Thunder Rosa you know maybe at the next show oh yeah absolutely going to happen it's it's you know, if, if it's not booked already right <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, all right. Up next, we had Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen defeating Team Taz featuring Ricky Starks and the powerhouse Hobbs. All right. Well, let's cut to the chase. Fucking Sting shows up at the end yes. out of nowhere. <laughs> so we heard rumors for months that, you know, he could be possibly making the jump to AEW after his Legends contract ran out. Um, but then, you know, it became really quiet, which we should have known. <laughs> means that uh-huh. he's probably going to debut soon. Uh, and maybe that was out there and I just missed it. But um, this came out of left field for me. I enjoyed the moment. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I'm hoping that he gets to kind of like, I don't know, not necessarily like redeem himself, but get the proper like send off that he deserves. I mean, what happened with him, you know, against Seth Rollins just fucking sucks. Um, for him to kind of mm-hmm. like that be his last match and just you know what triple h and vince did to him at wrestlemania was just complete and utter bullshit so <laughs> i'm hoping that he gets the proper send-off um i know it was announced that stings like actually signed a multi-year deal with AEW. i don't need to see him wrestle that much though yes <laughs> i i know that <laughs> that might sound bad but maybe a handful of matches you know, uh, sprinkled here and there, but I don't want to see him every week, honestly. Yes. Sparingly, please. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's got to be close to 60 at this point, I want to say, or in his mid-50s at least. So, yeah, you know, use him here and there, you know, but, you know, use him as an ambassador for the company. I mean, he still has a name that resonates, you know, in the wrestling community, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of like older fans will be attracted to AEW um, because of his presence. Um, I think the main thing when he was in WWE for me would have been to see him go up against The Undertaker. And, you know, we never got that opportunity. So I'm guessing I'm wondering here in AEW, what would be the big match for Sting? Um, I think they definitely teased Darby Allen big time. And there's similarities there, you know, character wise. I mean, Darby Allen's kind of like the millennial version of, you know, Sting, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think Cody probably would be the bigger match. You know, mm-hmm. uh, um, I don't see him being in like the title picture per se. No. You know, I, I don't want to see, you know, Sting versus Kenny Omega. Although I'm sure <laughs> Kenny could do a fucking badass match with him. He'll, he'll pull it I'm- off. 
he'll kill Sting. <laughs> I Kenny's a professional. He'll pull it off. He's a professional, but I mean, imagine if he gave the the quality of match that he just had with Moxley tonight with Sting. <laughs> well, the type of match, I agree that that that's yes. not going to work with Sting. But he's <laughs> he could definitely pull off a good match with Sting. I I, I will just argue knee that. after knee. Yeah, <laughs> I will argue that. I mean, because Kenny could fucking he's literally wrestled yeah. a fucking broomstick before so i know i mean <laughs> he could he could handle working with stick god bless japanese wrestling though uh <laughs> all right uh up next between the matches we had Sheeta getting an interview uh with alex marvez uh pretty much stating that she's not scared of abandon and then a noise hits and she's totally scared of abandon yes <laughs> uh but last but not least we had the championship match between kenny omega and John Moxley. The reason why we're here. Um, this was a hell of a match. Um, I love the physicality. I love how fucking vicious everything felt um, mm. and looked. Especially when you add in the weather factor. The fact that it was like 40 degrees out there. So you know those chops. Especially in the beginning. Had to fucking sting like crazy. Um, so, But I, I really enjoyed this match. I love like the styles matchup between the two. You know, the brawler versus this, you know, just amazing wrestler, this technician. (laughs) Um, So I really thought it was well done. Um, The ending, I did not see coming whatsoever. I love seeing, like, the little seeds that they planted come into, like, fruition. And, like, you know, having Don Callis, the last pay-per-view out there, you know, announcing Kenny's match and then seeing like how that is actually, you know, working into the storyline and the purpose, the true purpose behind that play out, you know, tonight with him basically joining forces with Kenny and helping him win the world title um, to everyone's dismay. And then <laughs> just making a run for it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Literally through the fucking locker room, you know, into a fucking, you know, moving car um, and saying, we'll see you on impact, which is just fucking crazy. I mean, a great cliffhanger, something that made, you know, nineties, late nineties wrestling TV. So great was, you know, big surprises and cliffhangers like this. Um, so I'm glad to see that Tony Khan is bringing that back in the fold, you know, with AEW. I mean, AEW's achieving so much. I mean, am I going to actually have to watch an episode of Impact? <laughs> <laughs> That's great marketing. I haven't seen anything. Right? Exactly. I haven't seen anything since Sting was on Impact, <laughs> you know? It's oh, like... God. Joker uh, Sting? Oh, yes. God. <laughs> Those were dark days. <laughs> And I was a hardcore Impact fan for a long time, you know, until like Hogan and his entourage showed up Uh and I stuck around trying. And then like the Joker sting, that was just too much for me. I tapped (laughs) out there. Um, Hopefully we don't get a repeat of that. Like sting walks through the doors of Impact and then just goes into his Joker gimmick again or anything like that. But I'm I'm curious to see what the fuck happens next. Like what's going on here? Is Kenny going to be wrestling on Impact now? I mean, he has in his contract that he can wrestle elsewhere. I mean, if they worked out some deal with Impact, some kind of talent exchange, I mean, shit, we could get the fucking Good Brothers, you know, over on uh, AEW Dynamite. Um, you know, we can get little cross-promotional things. I mean, th- that's awesome to think. 
I mean, this is where we I mean, should be as a wrestling community nowadays. I want to mm-hmm. see more companies working together. And it seems like everyone's willing to do so. Well, hopefully coming around like New Japan. Hopefully, that's the mm-hmm. rumor at least. Um, except for WWE, really. Uh, so, you know, and maybe one day they'll come around. Who knows? I mean, do you think this leads to like an Impact versus AEW at Revolution next year? Maybe. Who Who's to say? I have no <laughs> clue what they're doing right now, man. I mean, it'd be cool to see. Yeah, I'd much rather have New Japan versus fucking, you know, AEW. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers. That's fine. There's yes. <laughs> some really good talent over on Impact. You know, and they're, they've gotten their shit together over the, I mean, the past, like, year or so. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, I like the fact that, you know, both these companies are helping each other out. Um, you know, and it reminds me of when, you know, WWE, you know, reached out to ECW and, you know, they started to kind of work together. So, I mean, I'm all for it. I hope to see more of it, actually. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we could get New Japan over, I mean, Hiramu versus Orange Cassidy, I'd die. Oh, God, <laughs> could you imagine that? Exactly. Jesus. <laughs> and speaking of which, now that Moxley doesn't have the world title, do you think that we finally get to see him defend the U.S. title in New Japan against Kenta? Um, I can only hope. I mean, Kenta came to the States for one reason, right? <laughs> That's what he says, I guess. <laughs> yeah. He's got the thing. I mean, maybe, got the maybe he does. Maybe they do it on uh, Dynamite. I mean, that would be awesome. I'd love to see it. And we don't have an announcement if uh, Jericho is going to show up at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, right? No, there hasn't been an announcement yet. And it feels like that would be something that would be announced by now. Since mm-hmm. it's only a month away, less than a month away, so Jesus Christ, it's crazy, right? <laughs> so, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, but it was a really great show. Um, like I said, I hope this becomes a staple for them. You know, where they have these like built-in TV specials. You know, every month or so. I mean, Tony Khan during like a conference call, um, with the media stated that you know, hey, TVs really are bread and butter. Like we're not following the pay-per-view model here. You know, they're doing Mm -hmm. four pay-per-views a year. So, I mean, yeah, they'll build up to those pay-per-views. But, I mean, really, TV's where they make their money at. So, it only makes sense for them to have more of these, like, built-in specials like this. So, I feel like winter is coming. That could be, like, their December special. Um, You know, and just do it, like, every, you know, couple months or so. Like, have another special. It feels like it makes perfect sense. No, I absolutely agree. I think... um it's great to have a free option as well, rather than having to, you know, either shell out for a network like WWE network mm-hmm. or paying what is it? $60 for a pay-per-view every That's month. Crazy. If you really want yeah. it. So it's like, but and I think the more you have these specials, the more you build your fan base, you know, and the more yes. they're willing to shell out that $60 every, you know, what, four times a year for one of your pay-per-views, you know, but, exactly. you know, I think it's a great model that they're following and it makes for some great entertainment. All right. Well, hopefully this has been some great entertainment because that does it for this week. All right. But before we head out, make sure to head over to dramacityproductions.com where you can hear us and plenty of other great podcasts. That's right. And if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you subscribe, rate and give us a five star review. Yeah, it definitely helps an independent podcast like us keep on going. And you know what? If you like any of the stories that we talked about this episode, make sure you go ahead and follow us on 
Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and see the full versions of these articles, plus a whole lot more. Yeah, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show. That's your nerd hub for all things pop culture. Hey, and if you're looking to further support the show, go ahead and buy some merch over at Tee Public. They have shirts, they have sweatshirts, I think they have mugs, bumper stickers, the works, man. Absolutely, and you can also head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and find our merch there as well. Yeah, while you're at it, go ahead and pick up your favorite wrestler's t-shirt. All right, next week I'm going to be talking Cyberpunk because it's going to be Cyberpunk week for me. I'm going to be playing it all through next weekend. So I'm going to give you my first impressions of the game. And also to help celebrate Cyberpunk week, we're going to talk about one of the films that helped inspire the genre, and that would be Blade Runner. So not only do we have all that going on next episode, but we're also going to be reviewing the horror film Freaky. That's right, Damon. Well, my name's Christian. And my name's David. And that's The Amazing Nerd Show. My little Melvin. He must have finally reached puberty.